0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Great show today as we get to check in with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service and find out how the ice bite's going in the Park Rapids area, plus a lake of the week. Also from the Park Rapids area. It's all coming up on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit Bemidji State. Edu. I'm Chuck Hasse, a Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. Hey, it's time to check in with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service, who, as we speak, is out walking on
1: the ice. Jason, how are you, man? I'm really good because right now I'm sitting in my warm truck. I'm watching my buddy cutting holes right in front of my vehicle. <laughs> so he's doing all the leg work while I can just sit here and... You know, when we get done, I'll drop another line in. Nice. <laughs> well, I'm glad I, you know, I, I
0: bothered you enough to take you away from that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the reason the reason we are out here on the ice right now is because we're just checking some areas for the Parker Rapids American Legion. And on Wednesday, uh, prior to the event, they plow the lanes and everything. So we know where the tournament area is going to be. So, we just want to find some key elements where we might find some fish, like some vegetation. Because if you come out to one of these big events where the holes are pre drilled and everything, and you're trying to find weeds when there's thousands of people out here, it's a little bit more of a challenge. And then you're limited on time, too. So, we take a couple of days to just kind of find the general areas we want to be in.
0: Well, this is a stretch of time. We were talking about this before we got rolling that, you know, we had the uh, Brainerd JC's ice fishing extravaganza last Saturday. You know, 15,000 people and the 13-year-old kid wins it with a 9.45 walleye this particular year. Now you got your uh, event that the, you're going to be at the Park Rapids one, which is another really big one, actually. And we've also got that uh, America's Ice Fishing Tournament, the uh, virtual one that the Brainerd JCs also do. So we've got all these big events, uh, tournament-wise, happening within a. Uh, it seems like a two- to three-week time frame. Um, why is that, Jason? Why is everything happening this time of year when it comes to the big tournaments?
1: Well, it's pretty simple. It comes down to, ultimately, safety for everybody that's going out there. If you're going to have thousands of people in a concentrated area on the ice, you want to make sure that there's enough ice to actually hold the event. So doing it in December doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. You need to be able to plow these lanes. You're going to have uh, snow banked in certain areas. So you have to be able to accommodate the weight. And then the other part is that you want to squeeze it in before the end of the game fish season. Because at the end of the month, you're going to have northern pike, walleye, uh, bass. All those things will be off limits. So you want to give anglers the biggest opportunity, but keep everybody safe while doing so.
0: You know, and it turned out uh, they had great ice for the uh, uh, ice fishing extravaganza. I think they were a little nervous with all that snow that fell early that they were going to have a problem, but they said it actually turned out to be really good ice. So that was, that was great news. And that snow has been kind of an issue, not necessarily for the thickness of the ice, although in some places that's the case, but just getting from here to there.
1: And in the Park Rapids area, we haven't had that. We have skirted some of these storms. So we have arguably some of the best travel conditions right now in the state of Minnesota where you can drive your vehicle just about anywhere. And and without fear of getting stuck or anything, as long as you have good tires. I mean, if you're driving on tires that are like driving on baloney skins, then it's probably not going to work out for you. But most people that live in this terrain, in this part of the country, have good tires on their vehicles. And, of course, four-wheel drive. You're not going to come out with a car or a minivan or something like that. Although, I mean, we have a lot of plowed roads, too. If you want access to get out, you can do that. But just like you said, getting to the lake and, and getting around is the biggest challenge. And it's one thing that I've never quite understood. Because throughout the state, we are so good about giving anglers access throughout the summer months in the open water season. But there are times in the winter where it almost feels like people don't want to want anglers to get out onto the lakes. That some accesses will get plowed shut and you know it'd be really simple if we could just get to the lake then getting around is, is the least challenge the, the the smallest challenge so you know it's really great around here when somebody that just has a passion for fishing and wants to get their own personal fish house out plows out and access because it provides um, access for a lot of people not just people that live here too people that come to vacation here in the winter
0: has is your ice thick enough to have the big houses out there?
1: Absolutely, we've yeah. got. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you the exact ice depths, and of course, with so many lakes in the Park Rapids area, it varies from lake to lake. You can have uh, a big body of water that froze later versus a small pond that you know freezes up by Black Friday, and they're going to have greatly varying ice in terms of their maximum thickness. But every lake around here right now, you can get wheelhouses out. You can get one-ton trucks out. It's not an issue at all.
0: And you, I'm curious of your vibe because you're pretty serious about your angling. Um, Are you a wheelhouse guy, or do you like to be mobile?
1: I love that question, Kev. I think that is so great because the answer has probably changed over the years. Uh, You know, when I was younger, I remember being in high school and having the governor cancel school for the entire state of Minnesota because we had ridiculously low ambient temperatures. I don't even remember, 45 below or something like that, mm-hmm. wind chill, 60 below. And what did we all do? We went ice fishing <laughs> because we had the day off from school. And then I remember uh, one year as a teacher that the same thing happened, and we all went ice fishing. My buddies that were fellow teachers, we went ice fishing. And then it happened a third time in my lifetime, and we all oh, because we realized in neither of those other two experiences was it worth it to actually go. (laughs) But I love the comfort of a wheelhouse. I love the mobility of being open ice. If I had a choice, I would love to fish open ice all the time, but the weather doesn't always accommodate that. So now as I've gotten into my mid forties, having that ability to just drive out after work, right to my fish house, flip on the heat, you know, not have to worry about unloading, and, and the worst is loading back up again when you're done fishing, you know, taking down portable houses and stuff like that when it's ultra cold out. It's not like it's not manageable, and it's not like I don't do that, but just to have that flexibility and ease of use to just drive out to the house. So I do both, and I guide out of both, too. There's times where I'll take clients out, and we just go to the wheelhouse because it. It's what makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you might say, well, you know, you didn't put in the rigor to, to set up a, a village of portables and whatever. Well, if we're sitting on fish and it's in the best area that we're going to catch fish, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> Keep it simple. Right. Well, though, you know, and, and
0: the mobility thing, I mean, that's, that's what you do during soft water season. So if you can do it, that's that's what you want to do.
1: Absolutely, and I like I say, I love fishing open ice. That would be my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, when I'm taking other people out, that's not always an option. Part of it, and, and I, I integrated this into my seminars this last ice fishing season, was talking about limitations. Everybody has limitations, whether it's a limitation of time in their schedule, and then 10 miles one direction, and ferry people back and forth whether you've got deep snow or slush, even walking sometimes is really difficult. So sometimes you just have to find easy to access, but you still got good fishing. My preference is to fish open ice and without gloves, but we do live in a climate that doesn't always allow for that.
0: No, that, that is fact.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I love this quote that Chip Lear told me years ago. He said, we ice fish all year long, but really, what we're all waiting for is March.
0: Yes, that's 100% true.
1: Yes. And I, I, love, I love ice fishing in March because you can be out on the open ice. You can hop hole-to-hole, and the fish are usually pretty active.
0: Right. And then, of course, it melts. Hopefully, you know, in plenty of time to spend a few weeks doing some pan fishing before we go walleye fishing.
1: You know, there are people in this world that are as sad when the ice melts as open water anglers are when the lakes freeze. There's definitely been a shift, and there's more people ice fishing now than ever. There's more people that own fish houses than ever, and I think it's great. I think it's great to see, and there's a lot of people that enjoy ice fishing more than open water fishing. If you ask me, you know what I would say? hmm. I love them both, and that's why I live here, because I have the ability to do both.
0: I'm a softwater wuss, what can I tell you?
1: But. <laughs> I've always kind of thought that. <laughs> going to say it?
0: I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable enough at this stage live, to be honest. <laughs> well, have you been out there getting eel pout yet?
1: Um, you know what? We've chased him a little bit, uh, but I've been tied up quite a bit doing the panfish thing, and that's Okay. Uh, It's only going to get better and better. And one thing I love is we get into mid-February, late-February. That midday eel pout bite can a lot of times be better than the bite after dark. So many people don't realize this, but as those eel pouts start to get closer and closer to spawn, their activity during daylight hours is fantastic. So there's really no reason that you need to wait until sundown to go. You can go and catch them in the middle of the day. And, of course, as you've
0: noted, they are some of the most fun fish to catch.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're catching them out of fairly deep water. Um, They're the working person's fish because you can go to work, you can go home, eat dinner, and then go out afterwards. Um, They really do accommodate the working person's schedule very well. And I just think they're so cool. When you catch one, each one is like a snowflake, Kev. (laughs) <laughs> That's their beauty. They're like a snowflake. <laughs> Everyone is different. They have their own individual patterns, and they're just simply cool fish to catch.
0: It, it's so weird because, you know, you, I saw a few pictures back in the day, you know, before it got real popular, and, you know, they just look ridiculous, and then you know, and you see now people taking, you know, real pictures with real cameras of these. You're right. They are a
1: really fascinating looking fish. If you walked into my house, The very first picture that you would see hanging in my entryway is a custom drawing I had done of a Neil Pout. One of my good friends, Taylor Schroeder, who's a fantastic artist, uh, I commissioned him to do that print. And a lot of people might walk in and go, why do you have that here? I'll tell you why. Because it's one of the coolest fish we have swimming in the waters of Minnesota.
0: And to tell you how uh, how. Cool, it's become there, and I think it was Rylander was telling me this. There are people out there now. I think one of his good friends that actually, you know, they make <laughs> eel pout specific lures now.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, you know, there's companies that specialize in that. You look at Big Nasty Tackle up in Cass Lake. They sell an incredible amount of spoons and jigs specifically for eel pout, and they're just—they're not just bought in Minnesota. Um, Mr. Rylander and I are members of a Facebook group called Eel Pout Hunters International. Mm. And if if you are interested in eel pout at all, look up that page. It's really cool because you get to see people catching eel pout all over the place. You want to see people catching eel pout in Alaska, um, way up in northern Canada. And the tactics and the the lures and presentations that they use differ. It, It totally it varies greatly. From what we do here, and it's neat to see that.
0: It's really cool how that has taken off, and uh, and and just really, I, I just I always think it's interesting to see the expansion, and I just think that shows you um, how educated we are, how we can learn from others, because you know, with that, before social media, this would not be happening.
1: I totally agree. However, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. And now the DNR is doing more research than ever on eel poulet, uh, because they really had very little information on the species. And now that they're gaining more and more, they're learning how dynamic this fish is. Like one thing I, I always say is this, this species is like the canary in the coal mine, that if there was ever a decrease in water quality, that would be the first fish that's affected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as people that are conservationists, throughout our state people that are landowners on the lakes wouldn't you want to know if you started to see a decline in those populations now we had always promoted eulpalp fishing as you know it's a lot of fun to do you can do it after the season's close for the bigger game fish they're great to eat and now one thing we're really pushing is the conservation aspect of it because those fish grow a lot slower than we originally thought we people used to think they were a nuisance and that there're just so many of them And now that more people are catching and keeping them, and even things like delayed mortality after catching a fish out of deep water, that you're seeing impacts from that. And so just being really diligent about only taking what you need. And that should be said for any species of fish, that if you're not gonna eat it immediately, we don't need to fill the freezer with fish, we need to take what you need for right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you're right, every species, That's uh, important. I I think most, you know, most. what I love about Minnesota anglers, they're pretty serious about the craft, but they're also very serious about having that resource available for the rest of their lives and and their children's lives and grandchildren's lives. So I think we're pretty smart, and we're pretty ready to do what we need to do in this state.
1: I think the word that I would use is passionate. Yeah, We are passionate about it. And one thing that's notable today is that there are more people that don't keep fish at all, that just practice catch and release. Um, And specifically looking for big fish, we want to catch the biggest fish that we can. We want to take a picture of it. We want to let it go. Even um, mounts, mounting fish and taking them to a taxidermist has changed greatly. That it's very uncommon for people to do skin mounts anymore, but they'll do the fiberglass reproduction because they want to get that fish back into the water, not only to potentially pass on its genetics, but also to simply give somebody else the chance to catch a big fish.
0: Hey, much more to cover with Jason Durham from Go Fish Guide Service, but up next, it's our Lake of the Week from the Park Rapids area.
1: I'm Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. I'm proud of the efforts my fellow guides and I make to help Kev Jackson sound like he has a clue. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors.
0: If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. I'm Kevin Cochran and you're listening to Tall Bunny Country. Lake of the Week Day, Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Week Day, Holy cow! It is Lake of the Week Day, and we are checking in with the new Uh, area fishery supervisor out of the park rapids office we talked to him earlier in the year and and uh, but it's his first time doing a lake of the week wade mishur thanks for joining us
2: today nice to be here great talking with you
0: um, so one of the cool things about living up in this neck of the woods, obviously, is all these, uh, I, I call them secret lakes. They're not really secret lakes, but they're kind of out of the way. They kind of get passed over as we go to those bigger, more famous lakes. But there's so many good ones around here. And one of those is a little 204-acre, oh, almost 205-acre lake called Frontenac. Uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, this cool little lake.
2: Yeah, so like you said, it's a cool little lake. It's 205. It's about 205 acres in size um overall it's a pretty shallow lake the littoral area where all the plants grow and everything like that is about 103 173 acres of the lake um overall this lake has a general depth um, of about 16 feet which is pretty shallow (laughs) but with that you get a lot of that plant growth and with that you get some great fisheries and like you said this is one of those hidden gems that's up in the wood it's up in the sticks a lot of people looking over, and, I mean, it's a great fishery that's underutilized. So everyone needs to get out there and look for these little lakes. I mean, it's a lot less people that you have to deal with, um, getting around, trying to find that good fishing spot. So, um, yeah. I
0: think what I like about lakes like this is, is if, if there's not a lot of action on the water, you know, you get to see more loons and more ducks and more this and more that.
2: It's quiet. It's peaceful. And you catch fish, too. And, and you catch fish too. And I mean, if you're not catching them in one part of the lake, you've got a whole lake pretty much to yourself that you can move around and catch
0: whatever you want. You know, I'm and taking a look here. A lot of the similar things we find in a lot of lakes. You've got bluegills. You've got uh, a, a lot of northern's. Uh, some some walleyes, even uh, not a ton yeah. of them, but some. And uh, so there's some variety out there.
2: Yes, yeah, so you got a variety that's in there. Like I said, it's one of those shallower lakes, so you get a lot of production. So you get a ton of different fish species that are swimming around in there.
0: For those who do fish it, what seems to be the most popular fish out there?
2: So the most popular fish that you're going to be looking for, I mean, I'd go off of two species that you really want to target, and that'd be northern pike and largemouth bass. Um, the pike populations that are in here, uh, it's pretty abundant and on average we're seeing a lot of fish that are around that 19 inch mark so um like that being said uh a lot of the sample is between 12 and 24 inches so it's going to be one of those lakes that you could really take advantage of that under 22 inch regulation that we have okay um and is there a lot of development on that lake
0: or is it kind of scenic and quiet
2: Oh, no, like you said, this is going to be one of those scenic and quiet lakes. Like, um, you're going to get up there, you're going to see a lot of wildlife. Um, you're going to get into a lot of vegetation that you can fish and just be out there amongst the wilderness enjoying the time out in the, you know, out in the wild. Uh,
0: you know, I'm not seeing anything on the, the reports that I've been looking at that there's any fish kill. but it is a fairly shallow lake. Some of those lakes sometimes have that, but it doesn't appear that this one's got that issue.
2: Yep, and we have not seen that so far.
0: Part of that might be plenty of plant growth that gets them through the winter?
2: Yep. Yep. So, Frontenac, um, how do we get there? Frontenac, well, two directions. If you're heading to Park Rapids, you want to go north on US 71 for about, it's a little bit longer of a drive. It's about 22 and a half miles north. Um, Then you turn on to County Highway 3 for about nine miles. And then on to County Highway 44 for about another three miles. That'll come to it intersection from there you'll go left onto schoolcraft drive for about four miles and as you're going on that the road's going to start bending to the right you'll see signs that will take you into the ramp for frontenac and from there you're going to head back through some trees and you'll open up into the ramp in the parking area and likely you're probably going to be the only one there fishing which is going to be great for you <laughs> yeah that's
0: right i i that's what's so cool, and and the other cool thing is, and I, and I've talked to your other guys about this, and and I've noticed this, and we've discussed it for a number of years in your area. Um, there's no AIS on this lake, and and your area, Park Rapids area, has been very aggressive in that uh, from uh, you know um, community ownership level. They've uh, they've all yeah. taken this seriously, and and uh, this lake is no different in that regard.
2: No different in that regards. I mean AIS, it's something that. You know, on occasion, it does happen, and lakes get, you know, invasives that come into it. But like you said, we are very proactive here in the Park Rapids area, and we like to keep our lakes as clean as possible. All right. Anything else we should know? I mean, other than that, we got one ramp and a pretty big parking area. Uh, Like you said, there's no no resorts, there's no campgrounds, and there's very little shoreline development. So it's going to be you out there with the wild.
0: Ooh, I like that. I'm going to have to go check that lake out unquestionably. (laughs) It's Frontenac Lake. It's our Lake of the Week, and it's one of those hidden gems. We're hearing from the Area fishery Supervisor, Wade Masure. Wade, thank you so much for the time today.
2: You're welcome. It was great talking with
0: you. Up next, we stick around the Park Rapids area and check back in with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide
1: Service. I'm Bruce Jean at Rainy Lake Guiding. I always like to give to those in need. That's why I'm on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors because we all know kev jackson is sure in need of knowledge
2: hi this is dick beardsley with dick beardsley fishing guide service and fish house rentals are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure Well, look no further as bemidji minnesota is the place to be there are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25 mile radius of bemidji come drop a line and become a fishing legend while on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and bathe the blue ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories.
1: Hi, this is Nate Blazing with the Missile Guide League and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoor.
0: Checking back in with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. Well, as one who's been involved in ice fishing and regular fishing for many, many years, and ice fishing in particular, are you seeing changes in I research uh, not not the tactics, we all learn stuff, but I mean is th- are things changing with the fish under the ice?
1: You know uh, it's really hard to kind of gauge because anything that you say with fish and fish behavior, it's all based on theory and the fish don't actually tell you one way or the other when <laughs> you catch them. So we can we can form theories based on whatever we want and you know others can can come up with information to prove that theory correct or dispute it. So I, I would say that some of the changes that I've seen, oh, that's a great question. I mean, obviously technology has changed the sport immensely. Uh, the advent of the wheelhouse, I, and, and that's an interesting concept too, uh, because it's hard to gauge whether there's more people fishing, ice fishing, or open water fishing on any given day, because if you look at this lake that I'm on right now, on Fishhook Lake, You've got a couple hundred fish houses out here, and Fishhook is a little under 2,000 acres. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good density of fish houses, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you might have the same number of boats out here on a summer day, but you wouldn't know it. Because they come and go, and when they leave, they take their boat with them. Right. There's no sign that they've been there. But when you ice fish, you leave a trail everywhere they you <laughs> go. You can see that somebody has drilled holes in this area, or they just leave their wheelhouse even though it might be there for weeks without anybody even going into it it's always there right
0: well i think one of the things that you know the dnr has been very concerned with we had a big uh, interview and con- conversation last year with some people was perch numbers and obviously the more pressure you have ice fishing you know, that's, perch are a very vulnerable fish during ice fishing season. It's one of the most favorite ones to catch during that time. And if you put more pressure in the wintertime, that's potentially more perch, and, and that could cause some problems.
1: For sure. And that could be with any species, and especially in the winter where they're somewhat predictable. Um, they'll They'll stay in an area for longer periods of time. So you can really you know, put a dent into a population quickly. So we just need to be diligent about that and, and making sure that we're not adversely affecting um, these populations, especially on smaller bodies of water. Bigger bodies of water, you don't see the impact quite as greatly, but you've got a lot more people that are ice fishing now. I would say, though, that compared to the last two years, there's not as many people taking part now because all of these restrictions that were taking place for COVID and limitations in kids' sports specifically gave people a lot more time to get out as a family and fish and be out on the lakes. And now all of those things are taking place again, so time becomes the biggest challenge for everybody.
0: That is for sure. Well, it's not going to be that much time, and all of a sudden it's going to be soft water season, and you're planning vacations. I'm assuming, Jason, uh, you book up pretty quick, so people should maybe uh, think about a summer vacation right now.
1: Absolutely. You know, my schedule fills up early, and I, I do a lot of half-day guide trips, and a lot of people are surprised by that. Like, oh, don't don't most people do full-day trips? We do so many half-day trips uh, because on these small lakes, if you're staying at a resort, for instance, or a vacation cabin, and you want to learn about the lake and learn where to go for the rest of the week, the rest of your stay, um, you can learn a lot about that lake in, in four hours. And typically... You know, you don't have good, or what I would say, great fishing for eight hours straight. Um, But you do see these periods that come up throughout the day, and I'll run three half-day trips every single day. Uh, I think what's most surprising to people is over the last couple seasons, the absolute best time frame to get out has been in the middle of the day.
0: Hmm.
1: So usually, I know, usually people gravitate towards morning or the evening, but... The midday bite has been the most consistent, uh, the best fishing over the last two years. Well,
0: I would say, you know, you are uh, in a unique area because you guys have uh, had uh, very, very, very proactive measures countywide on, uh, on trying to combat, um, you know, invasive species. And uh, so far, so good for you guys. You know, our, our lakes are getting clearer and clearer, you know, some of the big ones. And so that, that's changing the, the start times up in our neck of the woods.
1: For sure, that does have a big impact. And we've been really blessed so far that we haven't had much impact from invasive species. In Hubbard County, we do more boat inspections than any county in the state of Minnesota. So, you know, it's something that we live by, Um, but probably inevitable that at some point we are going to see those invasives in our waters. And and we've started started to see mussels in, in just a couple lakes, but we've we've been very fortunate in that we've had a couple scares. I think that we've caught invasive early enough. All
0: right, let's wrap it up as we always do. It's time for a fast five. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Fast five, five, five,
1: five. five.
0: Jason Durham, what is the biggest fish you've ever caught? Uh, Saltwater
1: or freshwater?
0: Uh let's just go overall.
1: Well, it would have to be a halibut, and I really don't know how big it was. I mean, it was big. It was like pulling in a 4x8 sheet of plywood with an eye bolt stuck in the center of it out of 750 feet of water, so I'm going to go with halibut.
0: All right, and how about the freshwater then?
1: Oh, uh, sturgeon up on the Rainy River, 62 inches. That's pretty big. (laughs)
0: That's pretty big. I don't fish sturgeon a ton, so I'll take it. Question number two. Do you have a favorite pop? Yeah.
1: And? Absolutely. Coke Zero. <laughs> oh. I, I used to be a Diet Coke addict, <laughs> and uh, I've since converted. So, yeah, Coke Zero.
0: Question number three. Who is your favorite actor?
1: <laughs> ah I don't watch much TV. Right. Um, you know what my guilty pleasure has been for about the last year? What's that? If you go on Roku TV, there's a live channel on there that has different shows that play 24 hours a day. I really enjoy watching <laughs> reruns of The Price is Right from the Bob Barker era. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And it's majestic. It is so good. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> question number four. This is a movie question. Star Wars or Star
1: Trek? Oh, Star Wars! That was the first movie I ever saw, saw in the theater when I was five years old, and uh, it was just amazing for a young kid to see all these you know, creatures. Uh, it was just—it was really mesmerizing. Oh, okay. I've never been a Star Trek fan. Okay, yeah. too slow. I'm not a nerd. Come on, I'm not a nerd. <laughs> no, no, you are not.
0: <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Question number five. This would never happen to you because you're a, a fine, healthy specimen of a man. But uh, if your doctor said to you, Jason, you gotta, you got to lose a couple of ounces, are you going to be jogging or are you going to be biking?
1: Well, probably both. <laughs> I I run four to five miles a day on a treadmill. I know it doesn't look like it, but I do. <laughs> um, but then when it's not snowy <laughs> or icy, I do have a carbon fiber road bike, but the challenge is in the summer, I don't get to exercise as much just because of time. Sure. Everybody's greatest asset, greatest challenge. All right, Jason, We
0: by the time I edit this, nobody will know, but we're having a hard time uh, keeping the connection strong, so let's wrap
2: it up by letting you tell
0: people how they can get on a trip with you this year.
2: Well, you can
1: always find me on my cell phone, area code 218 252 can go to my website which is go-fish-guide.com or you can find Go Fish Guide Service or myself Jason Durham on social media Instagram and Facebook or just Google Park Rapids Area Fishing Guides Go Fish Guide Service is going to pop up.
0: Always a blast to have him on the show glad we were able to get the last couple of words in Jason Durham thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks Kev thanks so
1: much for having me and good luck and be safe as you're going out for the rest of the ice fishing season.
0: That is it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks to Jason Durham and Wade Masseur. And thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen. We appreciate it very, very much. Good luck out there. And these days, probably won't have to work hard to stay warm. on Bunyan Country.